Thank you for joining me for Soulful Conversations with my community of fellow travelers, exploring the heart, the mind, and the globe. These conversations highlight what travel really means for the world. Soul of Travel honors the passion and dedication of the people making a positive impact in tourism. Each week, I'll be speaking to women who are tourism professionals, world travelers, and leaders in their communities. We'll explore how travel has changed them and how that has rippled out and inspired them to change the world. These conversations are as much about travel as they are about passion and living life with purpose, chasing dreams, building businesses, and having the desire to make the world a better place. This is a community of people who know travel is more than a vacation. It is an opportunity for personal awareness, and it is a vehicle for change. We are thought leaders, action takers, and heart-centered change makers. I'm Christine Weinbrenner-Eyrich, and this is The Soul of Travel. Kathleen Relihan is an ideas woman, writer, and adventurer who has written many articles about the achievements of women in the tourism industry. As a travel journalist, she's written about adventure, culture, and sustainability. As Newsweek's travel editor, she spearheaded Newsweek's Future of Travel 2021 Awards, which highlighted those creating a travel industry that's more sustainable, responsible, innovative, and inclusive. She also contributes to other outlets such as Afar, CNN Travel, Hemispheres, Condonast Traveler, Scuba Diving, Fodders, Travel and Leisure, and more. She's also a media herald for the Transformational Travel Council. Her love of adventure has inspired her to climb two of the seven summits, Mount Elbrus and Kilimanjaro, search for Shangri-La in Tibet, scuba dive through an underwater prison in Estonia, and most recently, learned to freedive in Baja, where she's based splitting time between Mexico and Brooklyn. In our conversation, Kathleen shares what it was like for her early in her career to find herself in her dream job at the Travel Channel, but still longing for more. She finds herself leaving, inspired by a trip to hike Kilimanjaro. We discover how this experience foreshadowed this period of the Great Resignation and her recent move to become location-independent. We talked about how she has been inspired by members of the travel community working to create a positive impact and the Future of Travel Awards, and her own interest in telling stories of sustainability and climate action in the industry. We end with a few of the experiences she shared in her latest article, Trips Worth the Wait, Where to Go in 2022, and the power of these unique types of travel. Join me now for my soulful conversation with Kathleen Relihan. Welcome to Soul of Travel. I am so excited today to be sitting down and speaking with Kathleen Relihan, and she has written many articles about the achievements of women in the tourism industry, which is what really initially drew me to her and to her sphere. And um, I have always really appreciated your stories. And when I launched my second season of this podcast, your name actually went right on the top of my Dare to Dream guest list. 
So I am so excited that you're here to be with me. And also most recently, um, Kathleen spearheaded the first feature of Travel Awards. About the same time I was talking to having conversations about how I wanted to shape this season of Soul of Travel and how I wanted to examine who women in the travel industry are and how they're shaping our future. So um, it's really exciting to bring you into this space, into this conversation, and to get to share your perspectives with our listeners. Oh, well, thank you so much. That was such a great introduction. I'm so excited to talk. I uh, love the people that you have been interviewing. And so I'm so honored to be part of this list. Thank you. Well, to begin our our conversation, Kathleen, I would just love to give you the space to introduce yourself, tell our listeners a little bit about who you are in the space of travel, and then we'll dive a little bit more into your background and your journey after that. Great. Uh, I guess the, the best way to describe myself is a travel journalist. I've been working in the travel media space for, gosh, almost about, I would say, 15 years. I have been a writer, an editor, freelance, on staff for many different outlets. And most recently, I was the uh, travel editor at Newsweek. Prior to that, I was editor-in-chief of um, Adventure.com, where I started, we relaunched. And then prior to that, I worked at Travel Channel for about seven years as a digital editor. That was the time when Anthony Bourdain and Samantha Brown were there. And it was a really exciting time for Travel Channel. Um, And I was working on creating content for the uh, TV personalities and creating online talent and web series. Uh, And then along the way, I've always been a freelance writer. I'm a regular contributor to AFAR. I have bylines in CNN and Fodor's, Travel and Leisure, Condé Nast. So yeah, I would say that, you know, primarily I'm a storyteller, travel storyteller, traveler, adventurer. Um, thank you for helping to paint that picture. I, I think one of my favorite things that we always uncover is that anyone involved in travel seems to be a bit of a storyteller because travel in and of itself really helps us to tell the stories of people and places on the planet. And so um, I think that is kind of built into our DNA for people who love connecting and being out in the world in that way. And how exciting that that was the time that you were at the Travel Channel, because I know for me, that was kind of the golden age of that program. (laughs) And um, I remember seeing Samantha Brown and being like, man, if she's out there doing that, I can do that. And again, like Anthony Bourdain, like, look how he spends his time with people and the way he tells the stories, like all of that really shapes kind of my vision for storytelling, connecting and sharing in this industry as well. So I love that that is a part of, uh, you know, yes. a big part of your journey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was really where I started off, you know, I had done worked at like AOL and I was worked for a moon guidebooks a little bit before that, but that was my first real travel full-time job. And it, it was my dream job. It was absolutely, I think I applied several times and finally got a position and it It was such a dream, such creative, interesting people. You know, it's rebranded so much over the years. So that's why I kind of wanted to, I'm so glad you recognize the golden age of it because, uh, you know, some people that might turn to it now, it's different programming. But back then it was really about, it was be a traveler, not a tourist. That was like the whole tagline for a while. 
yeah, yeah, it was it was a really great time to be able to sit and and enjoy traveling virtually or it's kind of our first virtual travel experiences in that way. Well, as we get going, I would love to learn a little bit more about how you found travel or how travel found you. I always think this is such an interesting part of people's journeys in this industry. Um, but when you when you were young, did you travel or what how did how did travel kind of land in front of you? Yeah, I love like answering this question. So I'm glad you asked it because I think often people see uh, people in the travel industry like travel writers and they think that, oh, wow, they've always been sort of like gallivanting around the world. Maybe they grew up in a family that lived all around the world. And so for me, while my parents were both, you know, into the outdoors and we would camp a lot, we didn't, they weren't big travelers and they still aren't to this day. But I was lucky that at the age of 11, my grandparents, I'm the youngest of three, but my grandparents invited myself and then my cousin, um, who was also the youngest, on this epic two-month trip to um, Australia, New Zealand. So that was my first trip out of the country. And much to the dismay of my siblings and uh, my cousin's sibling, you know, we, I don't know why our, my grandparents picked us, maybe because we were young, um, maybe because we got along well, but it just was such a pivotal shift in my life to, you know, not just leave the country at 11, but like to go on, you know, this two month journey to some wild places like the Great Barrier Reef. You know, I will never forget that. So I think from there, I knew I was like, I love this. I want to see the world. And then in college, I was a journalism major, um, which just inherently connects you to travel. And I studied abroad in Florence, Italy. And then I knew for sure, I was like, no, I want to be a travel writer. So I knew like way early on, which I think is really, really special because I think it's exciting when people change themselves and redefine themselves in so many ways. But I think it's also great like to know you want to do something and, you know, to make it happen. It, it, you know, it wasn't easy. Well, and it's so interesting because you can start on a journalism track and even know that you want to do something as specific as travel journalism. But over the course of your career, like how many variations has that taken? Because we've shifted, you know, from print media to digital media to social media, like all of these different ways of storytelling within the same framework. So it's still, um, you're still kind of learning and reinventing, like you said, as you go through that process. Oh, totally. Totally. And I love, you know, I I love to write about culture and art, but I feel like all of that really is centered around the love for travel. Well, I want to go back to, you mentioned your dream job at the Travel Channel and really having had this kind of on your bulletin board, like this is the big goal and you got there and we're loving the experience, um, learning a lot. And then kind of a bit of foreshadowing of this trend we're seeing right now with the great resignation and wanting to live in a way that lights you up. You heard about this trip to Kilimanjaro and all of a sudden you had this realization and it ended up shifting your trajectory. But before we go there, um, I wanted to share from the article that you wrote about the journey, what I learned from dancing on top of Africa's <laughs> highest peak, which I loved this article so much. I remember oh, reading this and in the, in the article you wrote about this journey, despite our exhaustion and aching muscles, we have talked and laughed our way 
up the monstrous mountain up until now. But tonight we have finally stopped talking. We can't waste energy nor oxygen. The only sound is our shallow breaths as we feel the air getting tighter on the ascent. And then follows, just when we think we can't move a step more, the collective energy we feed off in the days prior starts to pick back up. I don't know what the guides Swahili chants that followed three little birds mean, but at that moment, we again start to move in unison, our pace following the same rhythm. And I wanted to share that because um, one, that really resonated to a recent adventure for myself, leading a group of women to climb a 14er in Colorado. But to like think about these emotions tied into travel, how pivotal these experiences are and um, what they end up meaning in our lives. Like, I think you and I both really believe that travel is something so much more than vacation, that it is really something that truly connects us to ourselves and others. And so when I read that, it just it made me think of that connection, that spirit, that shift, that like what happens when we're so engaged in the travel experience. So um, I'd love for you to take us kind of to that moment where you heard about this climb of Kilimanjaro with um, Woe Travel, uh, which I know we're both big fans of, and and what what happened? What what was going on in your life? And then what did this experience mean to you? Yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing those lines. It kind of gave me goosebumps a little bit to, to be back there because I will never forget uh, that experience, and especially that night. Yeah, I think this was, a, it was 2015, if I'm remembering correctly. And I had been at Travel Channel for about seven years. And I, it was a great job. You know, I got to be with some like incredible people in the industry, but it was primarily an office job. I mean, you know, I did get to go on some cool assignments when there was like a production, but really it was, you know, producing and managing things from an office environment. This was like back before people worked remotely a lot, but we did a little bit. So seven years into it, I just, you know, I was assigning writers or assigning video talent to go out and do things. And I really wanted to be on the other side more. And I kept on talking, you know, I was really inspired by, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Lost Girls. They had a book that came out maybe around, I would say 2012. I'll have to find out if that's the right time, but it was definitely a few years before I left Travel Channel. And I read their book and there was a meetup. I think it was like in Washington, DC, where I was living at the time. And it was like at a hostel, I think like some hostel and they were doing a reading and I read their book. I went in and they were like right around the same age as me. They were super cool. And they were sort of like, you know, before there were all these bloggers, like they were these three New York best friends that had jobs in media that quit their jobs to travel around the world. And they wrote a book about it. And I read the book and I was like, wow, this is so cool. So I actually started working with them and, and we did like a whole web series, a travel channel called The Lost Girls. And, you know, it was like video and articles and it was just sort of before people had like sort of their own brands on like Instagram and, and influencers. It was just like these three real life women that quit their jobs and traveled around. And anyway, so they, they really were part of the inspiration. And then we had a few other people at Travel Channel that quit their jobs to go around the world. So we call it the Travel Channel effect, um, <laughs> yeah. that you work there long enough and you're, you're just going to quit <laughs> and travel, but you'll still stay in the fold. You'll still be with everyone. So that's basically, I was deciding when, and I just could not pull the plug because it's like, how do you 
just quit your job to travel, you know, how do you do it? Right. So I was, I remember the movie because I, I just always add this in for some reason when I tell the story, I was in line for Gone Girl and I was like checking my email, like, you know, someone that wasn't very in tune to like <laughs> mindfulness probably back then. <laughs> and I see this, someone forwarded it to me and it was like the subject line such as Kilimanjaro. And I opened it up and it was like, Hey, you know, there's an opening on this trip, women high on adventure, whoa, travel. Um, what do you think? And I just remember I responded, like replied, yes, like all caps, I'm in. And so that basically is what prompted me to resign from Travel Channel was that I wanted to climb Kilimanjaro. And to do that, you know, you could think, well, why didn't you just take a vacation? (laughs) But I wanted to make that trip um, important to my story. And I knew that that would be the kickoff. That would be like the kickstart to my freelance um, world. And I also knew that I wanted to take a lot of time afterwards. I didn't want to just like climb Kilimanjaro and rush back to the office. So yeah, so that's how I, I ended up leaving Travel Channel. And when I told everyone at Travel Channel, I was you know so nervous to tell people because I thought they'd think it was, I don't know, reckless or you know not thought out. And they all loved it. And they were like, oh my God, of course you have to do that. So like I said, there was already sort of this like history of people that work there that like quit to travel around. Like um, two of my best friends now did the same thing that worked there. So yeah, that's how I started. And then Women High on Adventure, it's um, women's adventure travel run by two friends that met climbing Kilimanjaro themselves. And they decided that they needed to create a company that could really support women doing challenging sort of trips around the world, like Kilimanjaro. Um, I also climbed later after that Mount Elbrus, the highest mountain in Europe with them. And it's all about being supportive. It's not like this hardcore competitive vibe. It's more like, hey, let's get a group of women together and do a really challenging thing, um, be supportive, you know, and then also incorporates, you know, helping some of the local communities and local women by sponsoring them to be guides. I don't want to step away from this conversation for too long, but have you heard? Soul of Travel has been nominated for a Bessie Award in the wonderful award category as a brand that has gone above and beyond to support, empower, and represent women in 2021. As a listener, you know that I am deeply committed to amplifying the voices of women in the travel community, and it is such an honor to be nominated. If you are a member of the wonderful community who has attended a past Women in Travel Summit, please consider voting for the Soul of Travel podcast. Not familiar with Wonderful? I highly recommend checking them out. You can listen to episode 43 with Wonderful founder Beth Santos to learn more. Now let's get back to our soulful conversation. Yeah, I I love that. And I I think that those kinds of experiences are so powerful. And like you said, that I I love that you kind of knew ahead of time that you already wanted it to be like a moment in your story and that you knew that in order to kind of put the exclamation on it, that you had to let it be its own moment and that you left your position and, and really just kind of took that leap, which I think for our listeners 
you know, for many people, especially right now, a lot of people are looking for permission to do that and mm-hmm. to, to hear that call and then just say, yes, like most of us don't do that text message back. We are like, right. well, maybe it. let me think about it. Let me find all the reasons why I shouldn't do this. And then, you know, a few people will say yes, but it takes something to just hear that call and just go for it. And then there's probably also some of us who hear that call and want to say yes all the time, but do find that maybe we should say no once in a while. But I think it is a little uncomfortable to just cut those ties and jump and just see what's on the other side. So I love that. I love that you did it in a community of women who were supporting you and one another to climb, to do something like climb Kilimanjaro, which isn't obviously, you know, is not an easy journey. Um, that's quite a big adventure to, to take on. So, um, I think that is just such, such a powerful and amazing way to kind of launch into the next phase of, of your, your own journey. For sure. And then also it's sort of, you know, professionally, it was such a big leap for me too, that proved to be really a great step. So that kind of launched me into really wanting to do more adventures. I mean, I was always sort of doing adventure travel before, but then, you know, I started to become really good friends with the Woe gals and their community and really just got more involved in more adventurous trips. And that sort of defined, I guess, the last seven years of like things I've written as well as just sort of adventure travel um, and how that can be transforming and impactful, um, you know, for, for the traveler and for the destination. So, so yeah, so that trip just not only paid off in my personal life, but professionally as well. Yeah. Um, And you mentioned, you know, I I think especially adventure travel, and I've talked about this with a few of my guests, but the way that how you travel when you're traveling, I guess, in this bucket that we label adventure travel is often a lot slower, connected to community, definitely connected to nature. You really start to see how your travel is impacting not only yourself, but impacting communities and environments. And I think that that is such a good um, lead into what I would love to talk to you about next, which is um, the future of travel awards that you spearheaded in 2021. And um, so many people who are personally inspiring to me um, were included on the list of nominees and finalists. And even the um, panelists I interviewed, I mentioned to you, I interviewed Nori Quintos last week and um, Paula Vlamings is come up, coming up soon. Oh, great. And so this was really exciting for me. When I saw this, I've, I've kind of been Aww. in this headspace since the pandemic, like and I've shared this as well, but I had this moment where I was like brushing my teeth or something. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is when travel dies. Like, I cannot believe this is happening. And I was oh, so sad and just heartbroken for like all of the people that would never have these experiences that I wanted them to have. And then, and I'm sure you can, re- that can uh, resonate for you, but then like kind of my next breath and my next thought was, no, this isn't when travel dies. This is when travel is born again. And yep. uh, I just started thinking about all of the amazing humans who are doing impactful work in travel, who we're not going to let the absence of being able to get on a plane and go somewhere, stop the work that they're doing. And so 
when I saw the Future of Travel Awards, I was like, yes, like this is this is the moment where these people who I have been inspired by, worked with, been um, champions of, this is when they get their moment kind of in the spotlight. And so I would love for you to talk to me a little bit about um, the Future of Travel Awards, how that came up, um, you know, what that was meant to do in the context, uh, you know, give us a little behind the scenes for that. Great. Well, thanks so much for all your kind words about it. You know, it was, I mean, when people think of Newsweek, they don't necessarily think of responsible travel covered. And so it was, it was a big challenge for me. I started off as a travel editor there and they originally wanted to do a travel awards before the pandemic. And I had been working on it. Um, I had, it was a similar methodology of having a panel of experts sort of weigh in um, and highlight people in the industry that were doing cool things. But then the pandemic happened and we had to put it on hold. It just didn't make sense, of course. And then as so many things in the pandemic, it gave us time or more, you know, I'll say it gave me time because I was really the person that was putting this all together. It gave me time to really reassess and think, well, what is really needed right now? What is relevant to the conversation of travel? Is it highlighting, you know, the best view and all this other stuff that we don't really care about as much? Or is it taking a look at how travel is being rebuilt or reimagined? And so pretty much around, I think, the end of 2020, um, and, you know, I, there's tons of, there were tons of features about the future of travel. I mean, certainly lots of people were talking about it as a concept. But I thought, I was like, well, maybe we take these awards and we make that the angle that we don't know what travel is going to look like, but this is what we want it to look like, or this is how the right direction we think travel could go. So basically then we just switched kind of reworked the theme to be sort of relevant at that moment or relevant for whatever happened. If another surge happened, however, um, just this is the future, you know, and then it just became so much more exciting to work on. And really that was more authentic to who I was so it's such a great privilege to be able to work on that at Newsweek. Um, so yeah, I mean, essentially, you know, it highlighted um, those creating a travel industry for the future. So, you know, one that's more adaptable, sustainable, responsible, innovative, and inclusive. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the the situation with uh, COVID nineteen it had such a, an impact on the tourism industry, but it was also giving people time to think about what to do next. And, you know, I think what a lot of people that are in the tourism industry don't realize is that it's tourism is one of the main sources of income for so many people around the world. And so when you take away that source of income, it has major ripple effects. And so it's this idea that when it's safe, of course, how can we travel in a way that distributes the, the wealth with tourism in a really thoughtful way so that these small companies and these small destinations around the world can really benefit. And yeah, so we had a panel of travel experts. Uh, You mentioned a few, Shannon Stoll, CEO of Venture Travel Trade, Stephanie Jones, founder of uh, CEO of National Blacks and Travel and Tourism, Paula Vlamings, Chief Impact Officer of Tourism Cares, co-founder of Future of Tourism, And so this panel, we basically, we had a lot of nominations and then we all sort of had this hard task of filtering it down to who are the the finalists and who are the winners. Um, And that was really the difficult part. So, 
Yeah. There are so many. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I looked at the list, I was looking at it again today just to be reminded. And even since then, like knowing some of them and knowing the work they've done since that point, like I, I think it would have been an impossible challenge. So I'm really glad that it wasn't handed to me to be able to do yeah. that. But I, I just, for me, it's so exciting because I have always looked at um, travel through this lens of, um, what can we use travel for? Like how can travel make the world better? And it really started with one of my first jobs in the adventure travel industry was with a cruise company that was helping, you know, to protect, you know, wildlife, water conservation, provide, you know, make sure their ships were operating in a more eco-friendly way. Um, And it just, that first kind of taste of that, I thought, well, why, why would you do anything else? Like, clearly this is possible. Why isn't this the baseline consideration? And and that was, gosh, probably almost 20 years ago. So it definitely wasn't what people were talking about. But for me now to see this emphasis, and maybe this possibility that that might be upon us where that isn't the like selling feature is that you are eco-friendly or sustainable. Like you have to come up with something else because everybody is Mm. eco-friendly and sustainable. (laughs) Um, And I know that uh, one of the, the women that you wrote about that um, won um, her company or her organization won the visionary award is Christina Beckman with tomorrow's air. And that um, that really inspired you. You had mentioned to me previously about, thinking about climate action, um, creating stories that can tell that story within the travel context. But I would love for you, if you wanted to just share a little bit about um, what, what, how that really landed for you and what, in what ways that inspired you. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up about um, that visionary award. So we had a a category called visionaries and it was um, two parts, individuals and companies or collectives. And the company collective that won the Future of Travel Award Visionary was uh, Tomorrow's Air. And so Christina Beckman, who you mentioned, yes, I I think she's so brilliant. Um, She's a co-founder. And Tomorrow's Air, for people that don't know, it's the first travel collective for carbon removal with permanent storage, which essentially is really exciting because it's bringing like this idea of a tangible, affordable way for travelers to do their part in the climate crisis. But it also is just inspiring like climate conversations within this community of travelers who love the world already and are like, should be the first people that want to um, protect it. Yeah. So I just think that tomorrow's air is, is incredible. And I also just think the way that they, they approach the conversation is incredible. Like the, um, you know, as I mentioned, I love to cover art and culture as well. And their artists for air, I think, is it called, if I'm saying it correctly, it's just a, um, a group of artists that they, they feature that, you know, are inspired by the climate crisis and they use their art as a way to, to reach people and to make it an emotional action versus, you know, if you see art, you feel something and it's like, we need to feel this about climate change as much as if we were, you know, on a, a sailboat going along a melting glacier. So. I just think they're incredible. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow's you. there. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. And for people listening, if you missed, I did talk with Christina in season two, um, episode 28. So you can go back and learn more about, um, about her journey and 
um, the creation of tomorrow's air. Um, yeah, I agree. Like, I just love the way they, again, it comes to this storytelling, but Mm -hmm. like you mentioned, they, they really are inviting people into this conversation from so many angles that it really makes it makes something that seems impossibly difficult to think about and talk about more approachable. And so I think that is one of the pieces of value, like you said, that they are really adding, adding to that, that part of the industry. Well, I wanted to kind of shift gears here. We, we talked a little bit about this, um, as you mentioned, um, working at Travel Channel and this idea of the great resignation, but we're really seeing that now, um, like in the industry, um, even really across the board, people are looking, um, they're re-examining their lives in the context of this pandemic. They are wanting to reinvent themselves, create a life that's more intentional, um, the life that they really want to live. And also people are really seeking um, and finding that it's possible to be location independent and work from anywhere around the world. And um, I know that you have recently, um, this led you to Baja, Mexico. And so um, that is very exciting. It seems like I feel like everybody I know, although it's not true, is not everybody, (laughs) has recently been guided there. Um, But I would love to talk to you a little bit about that. What what has this meant in your life right now? What was that nudge like? And, um, and what does this look like to be kind of in this position again of getting to come back into alignment and, and create change and, and bring that to your journey and to see where that moves you forward? Yeah, no, I, I'm so glad you brought this up. It, uh, such a, great way to sort of like tell the full story of what really lights me up right now. Um, so yeah, I was based in New York city, Brooklyn, uh, shout out to Greenpoint, <laughs> anyone's listening, um, for about the last six years and sort of after, you know, to, to bring back up that Kilimanjaro climb, I was living in DC. And so to move up to New York was such a great time in my life because it was like media world, there's actually, there was a huge travel community um, in New York at that time, and there still is. And so I moved up there and just loved being in the city. And even, you know, when the pandemic happened, I always say that it was such a privilege to be in Brooklyn during the first part of the pandemic, um, just witnessing such humanity and incredible, you know, people working together. But I started to get a little stir crazy. Here I am, this traveler. It's my identity to be a traveler, a travel writer. And I can work from anywhere, right? I mean, I essentially worked remotely even when uh, um, before the pandemic. And so it just sort of got me thinking, you know, as we, as people got vaccinated and as things became a little safer, I was like, I just want to work somewhere where I can also fit in other things that light me up. Um, being outdoors, you know, adventure, um, sunshine. So I took, I spent one month um, in Todos Santos, Baja, California, Sur, Mexico. And I was so inspired. Um, there is such this lure here of it brings people that are really passionate about everything in life from art to, to surfing, to free diving, to, to whale watching, to hiking, um, to just being outside and 
yeah, it brought me here. And then I ended up just staying. I just, I had someone was subletting my apartment in Brooklyn. I just kept on staying every month and I got some of my best work done. I think I could mention right now that it's all said and done, but I produced the entire future of travel words from Toto Santos. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, great work can happen uh, wherever you are in the world. And if you're inspired, you're going to produce your best work. So, yeah, so that basically kind of gave me a trial run of it. And then this past October, I officially got rid of my apartment in Brooklyn and became, you know, I'm trying to figure out the right word, but I'm using location independent because I'm not nomadic as much because I'm, I'm based for in places for a while, but I just can be based anywhere because I'm, you know, working remotely. So the end of the year, I did a few work trips, but um, I've been based in Baja for the last few months again. So I'm now about spending a year here. Um, and it's going to take me this, this ability to work remotely to my next spot, which I will be in Chile for a little bit, for at least a month or so and working there um, on a great assignment. So yeah, I love seeing that kind of it's so interesting in the travel industry. And I have actually had this conversation with people that they're like, oh, I love to travel. I want to work in the industry as well. And I'm like, well, be careful because what you end up doing often is talking about other people's travel or organizing mm. other people's travel, but you are not necessarily traveling. So there's like this lure to the industry because you love to travel, but you, much like you said, you kind of end up finding yourself not traveling. And so I love that you are able to bring those pieces together. And I mean, this is one of the amazing things that's happened over the past two years is this technological advances that really enable us to to do that. And I think, like you said, it's, this is going to allow for people to show up more fulfilled because if you are sitting in a endlessly cloudy, cold month in New York, like wishing you were in Mexico, you're not going to be creating the same piece as if you write something and get to take a walk along the beach and then come back and, you know, ground yourself in your work. Like you really are going to be telling a, a different story and sharing through a different lens. And so I think not just in the travel industry, but for people in all industries that once they can be kind of operating out of this place of joy, that they're going to create something so much more impactful. Absolutely. And I think if, if the pandemic showed us anything, it's that we can do our best work from wherever we are. In fact, we're doing better work because we're not distracted by so many things that we used to have to deal with, with commutes and everything. And, and sure, I miss networking and meeting people at travel events. And I'm still doing that. You know, my location independence of, as of recently can bring me right back to New York to stay for a while, which I, I'll probably do throughout this year to meet, um, to see friends and family again, and also to be, you know, in those travel events and talking to people. So it's it's definitely just this idea that if you, you can bring your work wherever. And I think that's sort of what the pandemic reinforced for me. Um, so yeah, I think that it, hopefully it's inspired lots of people. I mean, we still, you know, I think the perfect future would be people can work remotely, but maybe there's, and I think, you know, some businesses are trying this like certain times throughout the year that you might be based in the same area and work, or even if you, you're all living in the same city, maybe, you know, some, some of my friends are, 
like a few days a month or maybe every other week. And so it's this idea that we're still, we need to meet, um, to meet and to collaborate, but we can also get so much done wherever we are. We don't have to be all living in expensive cities and glued to commuting and all that other thing. Other yeah. Things. Yeah. I mean, I think it just offers so much more balance. And I think, uh, you know, other, uh, other countries and cultures have had a better handle at that than, than we have, I think in the U S especially, um, all along, but it has shown us that we can, can do that. And I know like in my own home life, the few times when we've all been quarantined at home, like initially thinking this is going to be a a disaster, but then like, it's really amazing for me to sit in and watch my kids learning something on zoom and see their excitement firsthand where that happens somewhere else every other day normally, or for my Mm. husband to be able to come up and make lunch for my kids from his office space, or, you know, it just, it's been very interesting, like you said, to kind of witness how we can do this. And it just opens up the doors to thinking about how can we create changes in the way we work and how we work and, and what we expect out of people in a professional context. Yeah. And I think even outside of the tourism industry, I think it's really showing that, you know, you don't need to live in a city to get a quote, you know, great job or a job that's in a creative field or in the media field. And so I think that the people that are creating these um, stories and the storytelling is going to be more diverse as well, because it'll be from more parts all over versus just the people that end up in the New York media world, um, which yeah. I still love. I, I don't want to, you know, I still love that world. And like I said, I'm, I'm planning to go back next month. I'll be there for a bit. So it's just more about knowing that there's there's more. Yeah. There's more out there. There's more space. There's more ways to do things. It's not like saying one way is, is bad. You know, I mean, who knows, maybe I'll only do this for the next few months and then I will return. I mean, it's just with the pandemic, I think we've also realized that we can quickly adapt and change to whatever the world is presenting us, you know, at that moment. Yeah. Nothing has that same level of permanence that it did before for better or for worse. Like there's that ability to realize that we are more resilient than we think that there's more possibilities um, and opportunities um, that just were kind of trapped in, in the routine that we had created um, before. So I love that. And um, I also love that it's allowing people, like you said, who maybe have been immersed in the city because that is where the career was dependent, but maybe they end up somewhere in the Midwest and like find something that they love and they can share, but also it creates space for people to, to spend time in the city in a way they wouldn't have before because they're people are shifting all over. And so it just, it opens up all these doors for other people to kind of have different experiences. So I'm really interested to see when we reflect back, you know, five years from now, what, what we'll see has been, you know, other trends out of this. I wanted to go back. You briefly mentioned um, free diving. Uh, yeah. and that's something <laughs> that you have just found yourself um, enjoying during this transition. And um, myself, um, I have really been diving into breath work. Oh, okay. um, but I feel like you know, you had said that the free diving, um, to me that it's been very transformative. So I would love to just learn a little bit more about, 
um, what, what has that brought into your life? Um, I think everybody's always looking for these ways to connect and heal. And we find that so much with nature and breath. So I'd love to hear your, your experience. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, you know, as we, we talked about earlier, like this idea of adventure or a challenge really is so transformative, right? The nature of it, like it just, we're better versions of ourselves when we like take upon a new challenge. And so I love the ocean. That's one of the reasons that brought me um, here to Baja. And I had been, you know, I had scuba dive, I'm a scuba diver, you know, certified or whatever for all these years, but really scuba diving, even here, it's, it's difficult to arrange. Well, it's not difficult, but it's expensive. It's, um, you know, you have to get a lot of gear. You need to get, you know, you have to sign up with a group or, you know, you can't just go out there. Um, and I went on this, I was on assignment um, here in Baja. And I went on this expedition called a Mobila expedition. And the Mobilas, like, you know, you might know the, um, they're essentially like, how do I describe them? They are, well, they're, they're fish. Anyways, it's hard to people can <laughs> Google what they are, but the whole point is that they migrate, um, along the coast of Baja for, I think it's like April to June every year. And it's this incredible phenomenon. And the best way to see them is by snorkeling or free diving. Essentially, they just don't like bubbles, scuba diving. So I went on this expedition and with dive ninjas. And so there's no scuba diving. So it's like four days of us just jumping in the water with our snorkeling gear and trying to look for, you know, the elusive mobiles. Um, and so the, the guide really told us, like, gave us a few tips on like free diving, which essentially is just going underwater, holding your breath. Um, I mean, of course it's so much more than that. It's a sport. Um, people, you know, compete around the world. There's world records. I mean, it's, it's a massive thing, but just in the level that interests me, it's this idea of me going down to the, you know, below the, the surface and seeing the world pausing without the assistance of, you know, scuba gear. So I decided that I wanted to get, you know, to take a course. And so I'm certainly, absolutely, I'll just say total beginner. I'm still learning, but um, I just got my a certification, which is just basically, you know, you learn the, um, the safety and, and how to go about free diving. Um, it certainly doesn't mean that you're like great at it <laughs> or anything, but it's just been so great for me because it's been, you know, it's just training yourself to lose the fear. And so, um, underwater, you know, you're just, you're calm, you're at ease, you're holding your breath and you might not be down there for long. Um, but it's just an incredible experience. So again, it's just something I'm dabbling in. I, I by no means am an expert, but it's just great that I get to try that out like on the weekends here, you know, I, yeah, I just think it's so amazing. The gifts that that travel can give us and that being one, like you said, you, you have the ability to be able to just to go and to do that without needing to rely upon anybody else. And I know when I first, when you first mentioned that you were doing free diving, I have done scuba diving and the idea of free diving for some reason brought up like this immediate resistance. But then just as you were describing that freedom, like that's what I initially felt diving to be Mm -hmm. able to just be in the quiet and the stillness, but then to imagine doing that without the assistance of, you know, any kind of gear or technology would even be this more kind of 
holistic or natural experience. And so now I'm really curious that maybe I would be able to, to push myself to, to get a little uncomfortable in order to have that type of experience myself, because I love the water as well. And I feel like it's so healing and like that first time when you really get under the water and you start to see everything that's there, like it really is this whole other world. And I know, especially in the sea of Cortez, like being there in the spring when that water comes alive has been on my wish list for so long. And, um, I, I think that it is such an incredible experience. So I'm going to have a little bit of, of envy, but I'm so excited that that gets to be a part of your life right now. I want to end, um, as we were just talking about these amazing experiences, you recently wrote an article where to go in 2022. So I know many of us are, um, thinking about traveling. We're trying to find that balance of the right time to re-engage with the world. As you mentioned, travel is a major economic contributor and we really want to be a part both of creating that positive impact, but also with getting immersed in the world so that we can remember, you know, why we're fighting to protect it. (laughs) And so um, I would love to just talk a little bit about some of those experiences um, for our listeners. I'll put a link to this article in the show notes, but for me, um, you had mentioned a trip uh, to see, to meet with Rumi scholars in Turkey, which oddly has been on my list. You would think that's probably something people hadn't heard of, but I heard of someone doing a trip like that. Um, And also um, Bhutan and the trans Bhutan trail now has been something as well as the traditional sailing experience on the Nile. These are all oddly things that um, when I started early in travel, I had met with all of these kind of adventurers that did these things that sounded completely impossible at the time, which luckily for me have all now, like many of them come to fruition, but these are still a few of those experiences that I wish to have. Um, And then For people closer to home, um, a friend of mine, Anthony LaRubio, who's the founder of Recal, which he has these really cool trips visiting Glacier, which I'm a Montana girl. So anything that gets people to Montana makes me excited as well. But I would just love to hear um, when you were putting together this list about where to go in 2022, what, what was getting you excited what brought together like all of my dream trips into oh. one list. <laughs> I'm like really wishing I could take every yeah. single one of these. <laughs> I know. I mean, well, first of all, if you know, these lists are just, you know, and that's why I just said, I called it trips worth the wait. This isn't the be all end all list. Um, this is just to get people inspired because we need something to look forward to, right? Like no matter where we are in this pandemic surge or not surge or whatever's happening, like, Travel is something that is going to lift us up and put something amazing on the calendar for us to look forward to. So I think essentially I was just looking for this idea of um, dream escapes, but with this idea that they're as meaningful as they are thrilling. So trips that have a positive impact on the places they touch as they do on the travelers themselves. And so you listed off some examples, actually the, the mobile array trip that I did, that was one example. And, you know, essentially it's also, uh, when we travel, we want it to count. So we want it to be a great adventure, but we also want it to be something that we can feel really good about. And we know that we've, we've made 
you know, a tiny ripple of impact in the world, even small. Um, so you just mentioned the Trans-Bhutan Trail. It's really exciting that I think this is opening in March of this year. So it's basically a 250-mile historic pilgrimage route. It's reopened after 60 years. And, you know, Bhutan is like the happiest country in the world. Um, and so this idea that you are, you know, going, um, helping to distribute the much-needed income to these remote communities along the trail. But while you are also getting this chance to camp and sleep in homestays, so you're getting like this immersive experience, but you're also helping to get that tourism income um, spread out from not just like, you know, the, the big touristy places. Um, just looking through the list, I, I love um, Anthony's trip. Um, you know, this whole idea of like, we, we hear of like um, dark sky protected areas, but this idea of quiet parks and, you know, to, to spend like who wouldn't right now want to sign up for uh, a trip in a quiet park. So his, uh, you know, you were saying his uh, um, Glacier National Park trip is so cool because it's, you know, it's in this newly designated quiet wilderness park. And that's is defined by the not with the nonprofit organization, uh, Quiet Parks International. And so this idea that you're, you're going on silent hikes, you're stargazing, you know, you're on carless roads, um, I think it was just so perfect for this time where we're at with the pandemic when we just want to get away and 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 sort of be in the quiet. You know, the Mobile trip I mentioned, while it's a really cool thing to do, it's also helping to show the fishermen in this area that mobiles can be more valuable alive than dead with with ecotourism. So if you get more of the fishermen to want to take out uh, travelers to see the mobiles, then they won't try to to sell them um, as as food. So they can keep these uh, species continuing on in these waters. So that's just a handful of them. I'm trying to think if there's any other ones, but essentially it's just this idea of like trips that are, are amazing. They're great, but they're also going to make some sort of hopefully uh, small impact in the world and inspire you to then take that impact home with you. So I always think that like travel is, I'm the best version of myself when I'm traveling. So after you have these experiences, then you're then going home and bringing that with you to whatever career or whatever work you do with your family and your friends. So that's just really what what I'm, what lights me up, what I'm passionate about. Yeah. I love that. And I think, you know, for me, it's, it's so interesting because as I mentioned, that's kind of where I started my career in the industry. So I've always been seeking to add that layer to travel, but I love helping other people see that because like you mentioned with the conservation of fish, like that, that educational component can shift the way something is viewed. I've noticed when I travel and connect with artisans where a craft has maybe been starting to be uh, lost in a culture that by bringing travelers there to one, buy the goods, to learn the process of creating the goods, it shows this value of that skill and of that part of the culture. And I think that there's so many ways that when we look at what travel does from a wider lens, we really can see the value that it has you know, not just the travel experience itself, but as you mentioned, like there's so many different ways that it can ripple. And I love that now, instead of that kind of being something that happens when we travel just kind of by accident, now it's really the focus. Like we are looking how many layers can we have? How many Mm. ripples can we start? What can we do to make sure that if we are going to commit 
you know, the time, energy, resources um, to to travel, how can we ensure that it is having the most impact for us and for others around us? And I just think it's such a great time to be a part of this industry with the with that being a, a large focus for so many people. Yeah, so well said. I agree. I think it's it's a difficult time, but it's also an exciting time um, for new ideas and, and new ways to be developed in tourism. Yeah. Well, um, Kathleen, I so appreciate this conversation. I'm so excited to have had you join me and get to talk about some of these things that have been really inspiring to me and my my career personally. Before we end, um, I just want to offer you the opportunity if people want to reach out and connect with you, how they can do that. And then also the last part of the conversation is a quick um, seven rapid fire ish questions. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> oh, how fun. Well, yeah, I mean, I think people can find me on, um, I have a new website, KathleenRelahan.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, K underscore Relahan, R E L L I H A N. I'm always looking for, for new ideas of stories to cover and from all over the world. So I would love to always um, get feedback on what's happening out there. Thank you. Um, okay. So first question. Uh-oh, rapid fire. Okay. Yeah, right <laughs> in. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite book or movie that offers you a travel escape or inspires an adventure? Oh my gosh. Well, this is going to seem a little odd, but my favorite book is Station Eleven and it's about a pandemic and it seems really depressing, but it's actually about finding what lights you up in life and continuing on. And it has my, my favorite quote is survival is insufficient, which is also from the book, but it's originally a Star Trek, but this isn't rapid fire. Okay. I'll be faster. No, that's okay. <laughs> you notice I call it rapid fire ish. Yeah. It's totally not rapid fire. Okay. Just meant to be like the first thing that comes to your mind, but I love that you've kind of maybe all, already been mentally preparing for this pandemic for forever. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, what is always in your suitcase or backpack when you travel? Um, a book. Yeah. I mean, I love to read and I love to get away from like holding like electronics um, with this sort of working wherever in the world, I have to have my laptop. And so I love actual real books. Yeah. I remember my first trip that I took that was long. I went to Thailand and I think I went for six weeks and half my backpack, I think was books. It was ridiculous. And then I learned that there was all these places on like every little island and every little village where you could kind of either go swap your books or you could sell your books and buy books really cheaply. Um, But yes, I travel and books for me, like my dream vacation is probably a pile of books and a hammock. (laughs) Yes, totally. Um, what has been your favorite destination? Gosh, that's so hard. Um, well, I'll just give some love to where I'm at right now. <laughs> Baja California, sir. Yeah. Mexico. Um, where do you still long to visit? Well, I really want to see Antarctica. Um, so fingers crossed I'll get there hopefully really soon. Excellent. Um, what do you eat that immediately connects you to a place you've been? Well, during the pandemic, I became a pescatarian um, and I'm trying to eat more plant-based food, but I would say coffee is something that um, I always love to get a cup of coffee, like in a local spot, wherever I am. And, you know, it does, it does, it does taste different throughout the world. <laughs> and it's always like a cool spot. And, you know, you find out how people are spending their break time. 
Yeah. And then depending like how far off the grid you are, like how it's prepared and even like the, how the beans are roasted. Like I've had the opportunity to sit over open fire and stir the beans and everything. So yeah, I love that idea of thinking about coffee when you travel. Yeah. It's so Um, simple, but so good. Yeah. Who was the person that inspired and encouraged you to set out and explore the world? So many people, but I will say I, if, if I had been invited to go to Australia with my grandmother and my grandfather, but my grandmother was really the one I think that loved to travel more. Um, I mean, that really shaped my life. So to look back at all her wild adventures um, just generations ago when it, when travel was not as easy. Um, And the last one, if you could take an adventure with one person, fictional or real, alive or past, who would it be? Oh my gosh. Ariel from The Little Mermaid. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I'll have to think on that one. But maybe Little Mermaid. You can definitely free dive with Ariel. So maybe that would be epic. (laughs) Um, Oh yeah, I'll think about that more. Well, I am, I'm so happy that we finally got to do this. Um, it has been a pleasure. And for anyone listening, just make sure you check out um, some of these articles that I'll share with you. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today on Soul of Travel. Thank you so much. And it's so great what you're doing to amplifying these voices of women and, and the changes they're making in industry. So thank you. Such an honor to be here. Thank you for listening to The Soul of Travel. I hope you enjoyed the journey. If you love this conversation, I encourage you to subscribe, rate the podcast, and share the episodes that inspire you with others. I am so proud of the way these conversations are bringing together people from around the world. If this sounds like your community, welcome. I am so happy you are here. You can find all the ways you can be a part of the Soul of Travel and Lotus Sojourns community at www.lotussojourns.com. Here you can learn more about Soul of Travel and my guests. You can see details about the transformational sojourns I guide for women, as well as my book Sojourn, which offers an opportunity to explore your heart, mind, and the world through the pages of books specially selected to create a unique journey. I am all about community and would love to connect. You can find me on Facebook at Lotus Sojourns and join our community, the Lotus Sojourns Collective, or follow me on Instagram, either at Lotus Sojourns or at Solo Travel Podcast. Stay up to date by joining the Lotus Sojourns mailing list. I look forward to getting to know you and hopefully hear your story.